Hello everyone, I'm Scout, if you didn't know, and I'm here today with Ken Cushion. So Ken, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I, uh, for many years, I worked at Apple on products like the iPhone and the iPad and the Apple Watch. And uh, I, I'm a software developer. And so, you know, my, my job is to make technology products that people use in their everyday lives. And I'm excited to be here on the show to tell you a little bit more about how I did that. So why don't you tell us what made you want to work in technology? Well, you know, I, I've, I've always been fascinated by technology. Uh, I mean, I, I remember when I was a little kid and I was going around with my parents and maybe we were in a department store and we got a chance to go on the elevator, which was very exciting because it was this machine and it was it was like a little bit of magic. It was a magic room that you could go in and there were buttons. And oh, I just so wanted to press the buttons and interact with this technology. That you know, the doors would close and 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 it would make a noise, and you know, the doors would open up and you'd be somewhere else. It was like a magic room. And so, you know, I I've always been interested how these things work, how products work. Uh, an example that that I talk about in situations like this when people ask me uh, uh, is it, and and my 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 wife and my son laugh at me at this, but I, I like to use the example of toasters. Mm -hmm. So you think about a toaster. It's just this this normal you know household item that you don't really think about all that much but you know but toasters are designed by people and you know if you think about the features that a toaster has to have well you know it needs like a start stop feature at the very minimum right put the bread in and start the toaster and then stop it when the toast gets sufficiently dark but then the question becomes well how does the toaster know how to stop itself Right. I mean, you could imagine a toaster that just has a start stop button and the person has to interact with it. But we all expect toasters to be able to stop themselves. Well, how does that work? Um, is it just a timer or does a toaster have a thermometer or maybe a, a sensor to detect how dark a piece of toast is? Does it have some combination of those features or or more? Um, does the toaster have a knob or a slider to decide how dark the toast should be? And the thing is, all of these questions are 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 tackled by people who make toasters. Yeah. And and so this idea has been fascinating to me for 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 forever for my for my whole life that that you could you could be someone like that who thinks about products and problems that people want to solve and and designing machines or processes or hardware or software to 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 help people with the things they want to do in their daily daily lives so you know i i found my particular niche doing that in software but it's all about trying to think about people what they want to do and 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 giving them the tools and the means to 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 uh to, to make their lives better and happier and easier. Yeah. It's almost like writing a line of code and you have to get very specific in each line saying, well, I want the computer to do this when this is targeted. So everything works together. Yeah, for sure. You know, thinking about how, you know, a, a product or a program is like a puzzle, mm -hmm. like a jigsaw puzzle. 
and sometimes you know you you well all the time in the case of a jigsaw puzzle you've got that picture on the on the front of the box uh that is showing you what the puzzle should be look like should look like when it's done but then you open the box and it's all these pieces and they're all all scrambled up yeah they're all scrambled up and your job is to figure out well I've got this vision for what what I want this thing to look like and I've got these pieces that if I put the all the pieces together in the right way it'll look like the picture but then it's the process of actually figuring out and doing it and then putting all those pieces in place every single piece has to be in place for the puzzle to get finished and that's very much what programming is like it's not done it's not done until it's all done mm-hmm. so what did you study in school and how did that lead you to programming <laughs> you know what i studied in school didn't lead to what <laughs> didn't to what i wound up doing in in my life i studied history uh, in college and and my only degree after high school, I have a Bachelor of Arts in history. So I don't have any uh, master's degree or PhD like that. Uh, and so my field of study in school didn't lead to what I did in my career. Um, and so I took this roundabout path to technology. As a matter of fact, when I graduated from college, with my Bachelor of Arts in History, I went to motorcycle mechanic school mm. immediately after that. I wanted to do something different than studying books. So I wanted to learn about how to fix machines. And even after that, I didn't get into high tech. Uh, I, I was actually out at, out at this school, which is in Arizona. I grew up on the East Coast uh, and I ran out of money. Uh, and uh, decided that I didn't really want to be a mechanic. I, I just wanted to learn about how to be a mechanic. So I got a job at a newspaper, and then I went from there. I went and lived in Japan for a couple of years, and I moved back to the United States to go to art school for photography, and it was there in the early 1990s. I guess it must have been about 1994 that I saw the World Wide Web for the first time. And it was magical that that you could take your computer and connect it to a, you know, dial up a, a modem and connect your computer to the Internet and and download these web pages, which were just just starting to have photographs with them. So I was really interested in photography at the time. So I figured, well, let me learn about how to get pictures to show up on the Internet. And one thing led to another. I just followed my nose from learning about that to leaving school. Uh, I, I was actually in a master's program, but didn't get a master's degree because I learned enough about the web to go get a job making web pages. And then one thing led to another. And eventually, uh, by 2001, I wound up at Apple as a programmer. Uh, and, and I started uh, making the, the uh, Safari web browser at, at Apple. Uh, and so all through that whole process was just learning more and more about technology and getting more and more interested in it and getting more and more qualified to to do a job like uh, they had for me at Apple. Mm -hmm. So I've heard a lot about machine learning and earlier you mentioned, you know, you worked on the iPad, the iPhone. Have you used machine learning? And what is it for people who don't know? Yeah, you know, I I haven't used a lot of machine learning. it is to take a step back and just describe what it is. Uh, it is a technique for getting, for having, for teaching machines 
how to make determinations about things in a way that seems somewhat similar to what people can do in the case of, let's say, recognizing faces. Let's say, well, you know, if you ask somebody, if I were to ask you, how do you recognize your friends when you see them? I guess it's like you talk to them more and more and more that like they just like you assign the name to the face. Yeah, there's there's some there's some process going on that eventually just enables you to make this linkage between experiences you had in the past and and then making determinations in the present when 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 you're shown when this person presents yes. him or herself to you. And so in a way, that's a little bit what machine learning is like. It's a technique whereby you show the machine lots of pictures of people. And, and you actually tell the machine, let's say uh, that um, this is a person wearing eyeglasses. This is a person not wearing eyeglasses. Here's another person with eyeglasses. Here's another person without. And you show the machine this and you give the machine this, this, this classification. Here's a person with eyeglasses. Here's a person without. And eventually the algorithm will learn to distinguish whether a person has eyeglasses or not. So you can show it a picture of a person and you can ask it, is this person wearing eyeglasses? And if, if the algorithm is working well enough, and if this training data, which is what this, 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 all this information that, that you're, uh, you're showing the machine ahead of time is called when you're training the machine to recognize people with or without eyeglasses, if that system has worked sufficiently well, the, the algorithm will be able to say yes or no, that the person has been where, is wearing eyeglasses or not. And so that's the basic premise behind machine learning is that you train the machine to answer a certain class of questions. Now, this is a relatively new technique. And back when I was working at Apple starting in 2001 uh, on the Safari web browser and up to say 2005, when I started working on the prototype versions of the iPhone, this technique wasn't as prominent then as it is now. Uh, so uh, one of the, 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 the main piece of work that I did on that original iPhone was developing the autocorrection algorithm for the keyboard. Uh, machine learning may have really helped. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that, that technique wasn't really available. Uh, I wasn't as prominent then as it is now. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that machine learning is used extensively now to help with autocorrection on the iPhone uh, today. So, I mean, to me, it's fascinating. Uh, to have machines beginning, just beginning to take on some of the characteristics that people have for recognizing uh, objects and situations and characteristics of things in the world responding to stimuli. Uh, so it's fascinating. Uh, and, and I hope that in the future, in my future work, that I'll be able to use machine learning more. So what are some of the challenges that you faced in your career? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... You know, I, I think a big challenge is that, uh, and, uh, you know, in, in my career, I try to do great work. That's the end goal. And it, if, you know, in the pursuit of that goal, everything is difficult. 
So that's the big challenge in my career is, is setting a, a high lofty goal uh, of, of, of doing the best work possible and, uh, and then just figuring out how to do it. And so, you know, it's really, really hard to start with an idea and turn it into something real, something concrete, something that you can share with people, something that you could put in a box and, and somebody could go into a store and buy that box off the shelf. And what they're buying is your idea made real. And, and so that's a challenge. Uh, so one day, about 15 years ago, Steve Jobs at Apple came to a group of us and said, well, I've got this idea to make this touchscreen smartphone. And it took a tremendous amount of dedication and, and effort uh, on the part of the team that he, he assigned this test to and, and this willingness to kind of just bumble around in the, in the dark, mm -hmm. uh, uh, looking for the light switch and, and trying to flick it on, uh, trying to take this, this lofty idea and do all of the work necessary to make that idea real. And, and so that's the, that's the challenge that, that is, a. a, a a part of my uh, everyday work, you know, fast forward to today, that's still what I'm trying to do. Just recently, I made a, a word game for iOS called Upspell. And it was a, just a simple one person project. I did the, the work uh, by, by myself. And, and it was the same basic process of starting with an idea to make a word game and then doing all of the things, uh, building a word list and writing the code and composing and the, the music and the developing the sound effects, making the graphics and the animations. All of those things were a challenge and then trying to bring it all together into a finished product. So that's the big challenge of my career, trying to take ideas and turn them into a pleasurable reality. So you, you just talked about your app. Um, and you say you created it by yourself. Were there some challenges with that workload, with the with some difficulty in code, with making the app? Well, it's yes. I mean, uh, all of the all of the work was uh, was challenging, and and one of the 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 interesting uh, parts about this was, uh, you know, even though I worked at Apple uh, uh, for for many many years, it, this was the first time that I. Uh, undertook a uh, an iOS project outside of Apple, so I had never shipped an app on the App Store. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were these sort of internal challenges of doing the work, like I mentioned, you know, sound and music and animation and coding and design, what the game should be like, uh, whether you know, coming up with something, an idea that would be fun to play as a game. But then all then these these uh, sort of external uh, constraints, which was, well, packaging up the app and, and, and going on to uh, iTunes Connect and filling out the form so that Apple would actually publish the game on the store. So, you know, I try uh, when I when I do new work to do new things, to never exactly repeat the same things that I've done in the past. Always try to uh, add something new so that there's an opportunity to learn to expand out the, the full range of things that I can do and have done. So that was the, uh, that was, that was part of what made the game development uh, process interesting and uh, what drove me ahead to finishing the work. What is some advice you would give to someone who was just starting out 
to code and just learning, what would you tell them? Yeah, the main piece of advice that I would give is to pick projects, whatever they are, whether they're large or small, and finish them. Figure out what you need to do to take an idea and turn it into a finished prod project. Uh, and it doesn't have to be big. It could be, if you're just starting programming, it could be uh, figuring out how to write a program that looks at all the numbers between 1 and 100 and prints out all of the numbers that are prime. All the prime numbers between 1 and 100. If you're just starting at programming, that might be a reasonable, reasonable project to undertake. But the good part about even doing a small project like that is you take the idea and you finish it. And then your next task is to figure out, well, what went well about that project? What went badly? What were the difficult parts? What were the easy parts? And then you take that away with you and you do the next project. So that's my advice is to do projects, lots and lots of projects, as many as you can and figure out how to finish them. You may at some point fail to finish a project. Well, then the, then the, the, the process becomes figuring out what failed. Was the, the vision too big? Was your execution somehow not quite right? Is there something that you need to learn that you didn't know and you couldn't really figure out in, uh, during the process of, 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 of making, trying to make the project real? And, and maybe go back to the beginning and try again or try a simpler project or something that is, is based on that work. Uh, get yourself back to finishing a project and maybe then you will have learned enough to go back and maybe revisit that, that failed project. Or maybe you've just decided that you want to go in a different direction than that. But thinking about work in the scope of projects projects attempted, projects completed, that's the main advice. And once you've done 50 projects or 500 projects, um, you'll be pretty good at doing them. Um, and, and in the end, that's that, you know, coming up with finished, finished work, and then you can share it out with the world and you can get feedback and, um, you can maybe decide a, a little bit better about, uh, what kinds of projects you want to do and what they're good for and and who your audience is and who you want to serve and and help and and uh, and 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 whose whose faces you want to be smiling um, after they uh, see and experience your work. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, as a good if you're looking to learn how to code or like looking for ideas for projects, raspberrypi.com, I think has really good ideas, especially for people who are starting out and you can use Scratch. And there's plenty of resources nowadays where I feel like when the world started, like with the web and everything being accessible for the first time, there wasn't as much. So now I think it's a lot better that people can learn and explore. I, I agree completely. I, I think that uh, Raspberry Pi and Arduino, these types of these little bits of hardware and, and these tutorials that you can find online to write a little bit of software 
to make this hardware do something is just an absolutely wonderful way to, uh, to make small projects. I, when I was a kid, I did my projects with Lego. Uh, and it was long before Mindstorms, long before these, you know, sort of robotics type projects. It was just bricks. Yeah. And, and I had these ideas in my mind and I just put the bricks together. I made starships from Star Trek and, you know, and TIE fighters from Star Wars. And, and it just was taking this idea and, and making something tangible about it. And, and I agree with you now, today, in today's times, uh, things like Raspberry Pi, that you can get these, these little computers and, and, and you can do things with them. Um, uh, it's just an absolutely marvelous way to get started. Yeah, my dad, especially, he tried to, like, start me from a very young age to, like, explore because it's better to know early on if you don't like something. And then instead of, like, finding out later on when you, like, are figuring out what you want to do in life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the idea of you know, finding something that is exciting to you. Finding something where you don't mind expending the effort to get through the difficulties that will inevitably happen mm -hmm. uh, if it, it's it's impossible to learn or to know everything that you need to know when you're starting a project and so you have to learn and and some lessons are going to be easy to learn and some are going to be more difficult and if you have that willingness to 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 keep at it even when you hit a little bit of a roadblock and if it's satisfying to you personally to to clear that roadblock, uh, to 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 jump over that hurdle, uh, and then you go for the next. If that's an exciting uh, a process for you, then um, there's there's nothing there's nothing stopping you from getting projects done. Mm -hmm. Especially now in like quarantine, if you have a lot of free time, <laughs> this would be a great opportunity to learn. Um, Indeed, uh, my my word game was my was my pandemic project. Uh, uh, it was, uh, I, I knew that, uh, I was coming up to a period of many months where I wasn't going to be able to go out into the world nearly as much as I did. And so I started a project that I could just focus on and it was just me. I didn't have to be meeting people. And, and that was my strategy, uh, my project strategy for dealing with the pandemic for sure. Yeah. My project strategy was just doing homework for engineering class. <laughs> But um, well, yeah, you know, yeah. that it's it's a, a, that's that's a perfectly wonderful strategy uh, when you're a student uh, uh, focusing more on your schoolwork. I give that a double thumbs up. Yeah, we've been lots. We didn't we've been doing lots of coding in scratch and we're making our final project. And mine, for some reason, has an issue that I'm just trying to like debug like crazy before we have to continue. Um, so why are you talking to me here in this podcast where you've got debugging to do? Because this is all so fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who would you recommend me to talk to next? And can you introduce me to them? Yes, I, I, uh, I, I do have someone in mind. Her name is Steph Engel. Uh, she was someone that I met uh, when I was working at Airbnb. And she's a designer. And uh, she is now working at Snap. And so I got in touch with her uh, and asked her, uh, if she was uh, interested in in talking to you on this podcast, and she said yes, and and he, the reason why I I I, I asked her is is because uh, you know my experience at Apple uh, 
we always led with design on our projects. And so uh, getting uh, through to someone who is a designer for her job uh, and designs technology products and services for people seems like a, 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 a pretty interesting next step for you on this podcast. So I, I hope uh, I'll be putting you in touch with her and I hope you enjoy the conversation with her. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here today. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, well, you can, you can find me uh, at uh, Koshenda. It's K-O-C-I-E-N-D-A on Twitter. So at Koshenda on Twitter. Uh, and you can then find uh, links and things to the other projects that I've done from there. And you can find me at, at Scout Tech Podcast on Instagram and at Scout Tech Pod on Twitter. And I will see you all next time. Bye.